Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Oh my gosh, uh, hey guys. <laughs> Welcome, I'm glad you all are here. Hello friends. Um, okay, really quickly, I just wanna jump in and have you guys open up your Bibles to Romans 10. Um, we are going to start out pretty quickly, but first, um, let's just, I want you all to stand really quickly and get like these jitters out, these like pre-Thanksgiving, unknown election. We just like no idea where anything is standing in life. We've got COVID, but like stand up and just like shake it out. I don't know if you've seen the wiggles. They freak me out, but I don't know. Just do what they did. All right, shake it out and then sit down. And then shh. Okay, sweet. I'm just gonna read this really quickly. Um, but first let me give you guys um, opening in what we're gonna talk about. So I'm gonna give you a brief overview. Um, I know a lot of times we talk in like three main points, but I wanna give you guys like a story, a story of um, Jesus and how he affects our lives. But first we're gonna talk past, present, and future. So when I say the past, I mean Old Testament. So um, this was before Jesus. And when I talk about the present, I'm talking about Jesus to now. And when I talk about the future, I mean like the next breath that we take and tomorrow and beyond. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. No one said anything. All right, we're going to just read Romans 10, 5 through 17. You guys can follow along in your Bibles, on your phones, or on the screen, or just close your eyes and listen. I'm going to try really hard not to stutter through this. Um, it says, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But righteousness based on faith says, do not hurt your heart. Oh, that is not what it says. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and on your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him for whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I'm going to pray really quickly. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this space and this time to worship you, to lift up our voices, to praise your name. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room, into our hearts, God, and I just ask that your presence would fall in each and every heart right now in this room. God, I ask that you would focus our attention on you, that we would hear this word and it would fall in our hearts as something that we understand, 
something that we value, something that we treasure. Lord, would you give us eyes to see you today? Would you give us a heart full of peace and full of joy today? And would you give us eyes um, just to see the joy set before us? Lord, would you prepare this time? Would you meet us here and come and have your way? In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So... When we talk about a story or a book, I want you guys to get this picture that I'm going to go through past, present, and future simply because you do not pick up a book, and if you do, you do it wrong, and you start reading from the end. Like you read the end of the story so you know what happens, so there's no stress throughout the story. Well, that's not really how life works. And it's kind of like um, if you were to watch um, like uh, the Avengers. So say you like picked up Endgame, and you just watched it, and you're like, oh yeah, cool, that was cool. Uh, Thanos just did some cool things, some people died, some people like, you'll just never see him again. But it was like you saw this end of the story and it was a good movie, but you didn't understand like the weight of what it held. So like you didn't understand why it was so sad when people were vaporized. Or you didn't understand like the story build and it wasn't as sweet as if you'd started from the very beginning of all the Avengers movies to the end. Does that make sense? Okay, that was a strike too, guys. Okay, so thank you. We're going to go to the past. And so I want you guys to imagine yourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. The Israelites knew that there was a coming Messiah, yet they didn't know Jesus because he had not come yet. And so I want you guys to hear this and not just think like, oh, historical reference and just like write it off as nothing because it builds on the story. So really pay attention on this one. You have the Israelites, and they were given a law, the law of righteousness, and this meant um, you can be righteous through the law, through like obeying every single thing um, that God had given Moses. And that was like the story of when Moses goes onto the mountain and he comes down with the Ten Commandments. And these were the laws that the Israelites were supposed to follow perfectly. And that's how you attain righteousness through the law. However, you can't do such a thing. And I'll explain why. But... Um, so, like, yeah, righteousness. Some of the laws that they had was, like, um, you could only be forgiven of your sins if you had given a blood sacrifice. How many of you have done that? Yeah, me neither. Praise God for that. Um, you could only be in the presence of God if you had traveled to a temple to find him there. You could worship God but you'd have to go to a priest to worship God. You, could, um, you couldn't work on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath, because um, that was a holy day, which meant you couldn't even spit on the ground because when you spat, the dirt toiled, and that meant like working, and that was not allowed. And so these are all these laws that were so strict, and they were black and white rules, and what is crazy is like no one can obtain that. And the thing is God knew that when he gave that to the Israelites. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this story before. But it says in verse 5, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commands shall live by them. And what's crazy, like if you think about it, it'd be like a goal that you guys set, and it's like, okay, um, say you're like a football player. and Or no, you, you're someone who wants to be a football player, and you have no legs. Like, it's an unobtainable goal because you don't have legs and you can't be a football player. So it's like, okay, why do I have this desire, but I can't get there? So it's like just a dead dream that you can't fulfill. And that was like where the Israelites, they were kind of like a rock stuck in a hard place. 
And Nehemiah, in the story of Nehemiah, he's writing to God, like this whole story. And so chapter 9 recounts all of the um, faithfulness of the Lord and how he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, how he saved them from an army, how he split the Red Sea, how he provided manna for them every single day. Like he provided exactly what they needed every single day for 40 years. Like he sustained them. And the shoes on their feet were not even worn out. And Nehemiah paints this picture so beautifully on like how the Lord still chose to love them through this time. He says um, in Nehemiah 9:17 that Israel refused to obey and they were not mindful of the wonders that you, God, performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and they appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. And the reason I share this with you um, is for this next part to make sense. So we move from the past part into the present. And so we see how God still loves his people. However, once we now know that like Jesus um, came to the earth, he died and was resurrected, he fulfilled the law, which means the law... It wasn't like their means to righteousness was not by law. It was now through faith. So God, or Jesus fulfilled the law, which means like it doesn't mean like we neglect the law or we don't look back at it as like rules and guidelines as Christ followers, but that's not our means to righteousness. Our means to righteousness is through the faith in Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Okay, it says, um, then we can, I'm going to skip to verse 8 and 9. It says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like, that's such a beautiful picture of salvation. Like, I think when we say like this walk with God, this Christian relationship, like this, this Christian religion is so complex, yet Paul simplifies it in his letter to the Romans. Now, Romans, like, the book itself is one of the most theologically dense book, books in the Bible. Like, if you read it, it's not just something you can read and be like, oh, yeah, that was cool. It was like, that made no sense whatsoever, and there's still more to read. So, like, yeah, he simplifies it in two verses. He says, confess with your mouth and believe in your hearts that Christ is Lord and you will be saved. First, like, let's pause and understand, like, that is the free gift of salvation, and that's the gospel message. That is the gospel message. So when you're like, someone's asked you like, what's the gospel? Like, this is what it is. Like believing that Christ is Lord and you believe in your hearts and you confess with your mouth. And Paul, um, he goes to, it starts actually in verse one, chapter 10, verse one. It says, my heart and my prayer, my desire for the Romans and for the people of God is that they may be saved, period. Like it stops there. He goes, I want them to be saved. So believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth that Christ is Lord. And the urgency that he presents is the same urgency then, at the first century, that we have now. Like us in this room. Like if you look at your neighbor, like it's you and you and you. Like look to your neighbor and say you. And look to your neighbor and say me. Like you guys, like the urgency that Paul... Exactly. You guys nailed that one. I'm glad you're all listening. But the urgency that Paul proclaims in this is like, I need them to know like that's how you can be saved. Because before they didn't know Jesus, and now that they know Jesus, it's like it's this simple. And we can attain righteousness in faith through Christ. 
And so he says, like, my heart and desire is that they may be saved. And we have this through Jesus who fulfilled the law perfectly, and now we have relationship with Christ. And this is, like, such good news. But I'm going to explain in the future tense why it's such good news and how it's such good news. Like, I feel like sometimes we... I can, like, say this, and Pastor Tim, Pastor Victor, and Pastor Chase can, like, just, we can preach up here, and guys, let's be honest, their messages are incredible, but sometimes we walk out, and we just go back, and we're like, I just gotta get a muffin. I don't know how many of you left yes, last week to go get a muffin, <laughs> to come back and get some free coffee and a muffin, or how many of you are just, like, ready to go play nine square? How many of you are ready to go play nine square? You're like, eh. Put your hand down. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like, that's all awesome, but I want, I want you guys so desperately to understand, like, this is the good news. This is the gospel, that Jesus saves us. And there's a couple reasons, like, why I can, I can stand up here proclaiming that this is good news. It's one, it's we don't have to go out and do all the things, like blood sacrifices and confess our sins and um, go to a hill and a temple to, like, be in the presence of God. Like, right now, guys, we get to be in the presence of God. Right now. Like, you don't have to go anywhere, in your room, at your house, at school, like, in your car, when you're worshiping. Like, that's such a good gift. It's such a good gift because that's not how it's always been. Paul, before he knew Jesus, when he was Saul, he persecuted Christians. Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't understand the free gift of salvation. He didn't understand who Jesus was. And when he was called Paul, like he became a Christ follower and he started teaching about who Jesus was, like he couldn't contain himself because it was such good news, it transformed him from the inside out. And I can honestly say I too have been transformed from the inside out from the gospel message. Like I grew up in the church, I grew up going to church, but I didn't really like understand what it meant to be a Christ follower until probably my senior year of high school. And like that's when I really like I submitted to the Lord and I asked the Lord to be Lord of my life, but not just like in my words, but also in my actions and the things that I thought about and the things that I watched and the people that I hung out with. Um, there was a time, okay, there's, okay, funny story, Christmas time last year, so I've, Natalie, where's Natalie, my sister, yeah, she's back there, she's a little cutie taking pictures and sometimes she's on worship, um, but so Natalie, oh my gosh, okay, Okay, last year Christmas time, my older brother Josh and I went to go wake Natalie up for Christmas. And like, you know Christmas is like Christmas morning. You're like, there's presents, there's breakfast. Like, I'm super pumped. And Josh and I like go in her room and we like don't even like be quiet. We just like bust open the door. It's like 9.30 a.m. Come on. My parents were already awake. Like this girl needed sleep. And we're like banging on her bed, like shaking her like, wake up, it's Christmas time. Thinking that she's going to be like, oh my gosh, let's go downstairs and open presents. It was like, I kid you not, like this death stare, like she turned her head and she goes, get out of my room. And Josh and I were like, oh, <laughs> oh, that was not good. And it was like, ah, oh, she'll lighten up. Give her a minute. We're like, Natalie, there's coffee. And she goes, I'm not kidding. Get out of my room. And I was like, oh my God. And so I was like, okay, five minutes, and we'll be waiting for you downstairs. And Josh and I walked out of there like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, it is not good. But the thing is, like, when we were so excited, like, it was Christmas. 
Like you guys, I don't know like if you've had great Christmas or not, but it's like I'm sure like there's been a wedding or a graduation or a birthday, something that's worth celebrating, but it's not worth celebrating unless you celebrate with people. Like there's no joy that's complete until you're like high-fiving people and I don't know, my graduation, I graduated from college in May and we did like this drive-by. Thank you. Go to college, kids. <laughs> it's hard, but it's worth it. Um, but we did like a drive-by graduation. Like I did this thing where I like submitted my last um, assignment, and a couple days later they were like, "Your um, ba- uh, not ballot, your um, diploma's in the mail, and here's your online virtual sign-up for graduation." And it was like a Zoom graduation. I was like, I did four years of college to sit on my laptop and watch a PowerPoint slide of all of us who graduated, I was so salty. But then it was like my roommates rallied and this team rallied from um, our student ministry team. Like they, we celebrated and it was such a good time, but it was like so worthwhile because they were willing to celebrate with me. And that's how I feel about like Paul's urgency with the gospel. I just went on a tangent. Sorry, Natalie, I exposed you. This girl is not like mornings. Anyway, um, (laughs) okay. Okay, so then let's talk about the future. So the future is tomorrow, like your next breath that you take, the unknown, unforeseen future. Like we may have like the election, COVID, school. We don't know what the future holds cliche, but we know who holds the future. Can I get an amen? Um, Thank you. Okay, but I can tell you all of this, and you can sit there and be like, okay, cool, I can receive the free gift of salvation, and now what? I feel like a lot of us in this room have become numb to the excitement and the joy that the good news brings us. You remember that time when you were at high school or junior high retreat and you like felt the presence of the Lord or you're at desperation conference or you were in your prayer closet or you like this moment where you were like, yep, like he's, this is him. This is it. This is the Lord and this is his presence and it dwells within me. And I feel like to be completely honest, we have become super numb to this feeling. Guys, listen, listen. I'm ser- I feel like we've become so numb to the excitement of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And so I want to explain the why. Like the why behind the gospel and why it's good news is because we get to have access to the Father now and because he transforms us from the inside out. And how do we go about living out this hope? living out this. And it's what Paul says, is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised you from the dead. Now, I, I want to be completely honest with you. Like, I, I will show you an example of how to do this. And part of it is our testimony. And I think we have a lot of people that, that share their testimony, but they keep it as like a me-centered thing. Like, I did this, I, like, my life was this bad, and then this happened, and now I'm great. But it was like, it, our testimony as Christ followers, as kingdom bearers, is how did Christ redeem your story? And that doesn't mean, like, okay, you have to go party and do, like, the worst things, like, just insane, like, people have insane stories, and that's not bad at all. But I'm saying you don't have to have this crazy story to have a testimony. But it's really cool when you do and you understand and you share that testimony. And I want to share actually like a really vulnerable and heartbreaking story from my life. Um, And I do this because I trust you guys with this. And I want to wake you up to remind you like the weight of this gospel. Like the weight 
in the hope that we have set in Christ. And um, so I, I'm going to jump in. But um, so I grew up in Colorado Springs. I went to TCA. Shout out Titans. Um, and oh wow, uh, nice guys, nice. Okay, <laughs> repping. Okay, cool. Um, but I. Yeah, went to high school here, graduated, and then um, there was a time in my life I went to Kansas, and I grew up with three siblings, my older brother Josh, myself, my little brother Johnny, and then my little sister Natalie. Um, And so we were like, we were the kind of kids that like didn't get to do things unless we had like friends invite us places. So you like, I don't know, all we did was like play street outside, like with lightsabers and rollerblades. I'm really good on rollerblades, don't challenge me. But this was like, this was like our thing. So we were like pretty close as us four siblings. And so we like grew up together, obviously. We like played at the pool together. We'd go hang out with friends. Um, And we had like kind of a rough childhood, I won't lie. Home life was not easy. Um, But like the things that we did, we made count. Like it was all so fun, but we were all pretty close. And then, yeah, we went through high school, tough things happened in our lives, and I decided I needed to move away. I needed to just, like, go do something different. Um, So I moved to Kansas, and I was there for two years, and I felt like the Lord saying, like, come back home. And so I got a job here, and I moved in with a family, and it was, like, such a good time. And then January 2019 rolls around, and I move into a house with some roommates, and we're living it up. A lot of them actually are some of your teachers. They're fun. We'll talk about it later. Um, They're just wonderful women of God. Um, And we, not even a month in, there was like this, I don't know, we're living our lives. January 29, go to bed, um, and I get a phone call at 341 in the morning, and it's my dad. And I'm like, why is he calling me so early in the morning? And um, he, he pauses for a minute, and he says, Catherine, Johnny, Johnny died. Um, he took his life. And that was my little brother. He was my buddy, my best friend. He was 19. This happened last year. Um, and it was this moment of, like, what do you do with your life? Like, life, like, the world keeps going, but, like, like a life stopped. And so I got dressed, I went to my parents' house. Natalie greeted me at the door, we hugged. My parents were just in the living room and they were wailing, they were crying. And my brother was holding them, my older brother, and he was comforting them. And um, Natalie and I made our way up to Johnny's bed and we were just laying down, um, just like talking like, what do we do? And there's nothing you can do when someone ends their life. Like you can't do anything. When something tragic happens, There's nothing you can do besides feel and exist. And so hours went by, the sun rose, family came in, friends came in. um, They hugged us, they greeted us, they said, we're so sorry for your loss. And we were just like, numb. Like, it was like, what can you do? I didn't cry for a while, because I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. And... um, So like that day went on, another day went on, our house was filled with so many people and it's like one of those things that it's like, there's no way that just happened to me. Like there's no way. Like he's coming home. You know, like you can sit there and you're like, all right, like you know he's gonna come home, he's gonna come home after work and he's gonna give me a big hug and he's the only person I ever let hug me for the longest time, I don't know why. Johnny was my best friend. And there's a piece of you that's gone. And I I stand here telling you this 
not to just like create this sad vibe in the room, but to like be honest with you guys that like life isn't easy. But we see um, there's a hope. And I can tell you that there's a hope because I've experienced that hope. Because that week that people were at my house, the week that we were planning a funeral, we had the funeral actually in this room. We walked through those doors and I sat in this front row and Johnny's casket was right here. And Natalie and I and my family were up and we thanked people for coming and we shared stories about who Johnny was and the legacy that he'll leave. And I looked to my left, which was over here, the guys he played football with were right here and the people he worked with were right here. It was like everything I remember is so clear, but it was like your heart is broken. But in that week, guys, I I felt the presence of God so clearly. There was a peace that surpassed all my understanding. Because how do you understand something? Death is not something that we are able to comprehend as finite beings, as human beings. There was a comfort, like a fatherly love. Something that I had not received from my father ever before was he was holding me. He was treasuring me. And the people that rallied around us provided in ways that I could, I just am so thankful for. But it was like, this, this was a moment where I could decide, like, I'm going to follow the Lord or I'm going to turn away because how dare you let my brother take my, his life. There was an anger inside of me that was like, God, you could have stopped it. He was 19. He had his whole life ahead of him. He wanted to marry someone. He wanted to have kids. He loved snowboarding. He loved hunting. And those are things that we got to do together. And that was no more. And so it's hard, but that, that time, there was like, it was an undeniable understanding that God was with me and that God was for me. And I say this because I want you guys to understand like we get it. We get it that this life is hard. But the only way that I can possibly be physically standing up here confidently proclaiming that Christ is Lord is because he has transformed my life through my story. And so Paul continues in verse 15 where he says, how beautiful are the feet who preach the good news. I know this is good news, not because my brother's gone, but because of who he was through the death of my brother and through the last just over almost two years since he has been gone. Like it's heartbreaking. I could have the band come back up or just Victor. Um, It's heartbreaking, but I can say like, to answer the question of the how, where we see in the past where people could not obtain righteousness through the law, but now we have righteousness through faith in the present time and in our future, I can tell you guys and we can confidently proclaim that Christ is Lord through our testimonies, through the belief in our hearts and the confessions of our mouth that Christ is Lord. Does that make sense? So like when you go back home or you go into your schools, I think a lot of us see like life as this pendulum swing, well, either one way or another of, or like not life, we see the preaching of the good news of either like Christ has it all under control so I don't have to do anything but just exist and receive this, where there is a part of it where Paul says all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, but it's like it doesn't stop there. It's like confessing is an action, something that you, you get to do that we're compelled to do. 
or sometimes people think that this is like all on them. And we were having a conversation a few weeks ago and there was like, um, this, someone asked like, okay, say you're in an elevator, what's your 60 second gospel story? Cause like, what if you never see that person that's with you in the elevator ever again? You don't know whether they're going to heaven or hell and it's all on you. And it's like, there's two, two sides to this where it's like Christ has it all and we don't have to do anything but sit and receive or Christ, um, or it's all on you. And if you don't share the good news, like what if they never know who Jesus is and then they end up spending all of eternity not in heaven? Like there's this like medium point, like this halfway point where we get to say like, I know and I can believe that Christ is Lord and I can confess sharing my testimony. Like what I just did is sharing a story from my life that points us back to Christ. And that in turn shows people who Christ is. And it's not just like, oh, me sharing the Old, Old Testament, New Testament, like the history of the Bible. Like there's, it just get, it can get so complicated, but Paul simplifies it. He says, confess that Christ is Lord. And we can do that through our story. We can do that in Jesus' name. We can do that declaring that God is the one who saves. He's the one who gives us hope. And the way you guys can do that is by believing that and knowing that there is a hope. So like, we'll get through COVID, I promise. We'll get through this election season, I promise. You'll get through school, I promise. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you get up every single day and you take that action step and blessed are the feet who preach the good news. The feet, that's, that's you guys going, that's you stepping out in faith saying like, God, God is good and he is with us and he is for us. And I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, my life is peachy. Like, obviously you know that. Like it's not all just like sunshine and rainbows, but like through the suffering, through our weakness and our brokenness, Christ is strong and he is glorified. So I want you guys to just lean in for the next few minutes where we have this last worship song. Um, I want you guys to take a moment to one, just sit in the goodness of who God is, to receive that and receive his free gift of salvation. Oh, we could do that every single day. I want you guys to ask the Lord, like how can I abide in your will and walk in your way and preach who he is? Because how are people supposed to know unless we teach it, unless we preach it? The story lives within you and you all have a unique and beautiful story. It's Christ that wrote it, so you might as well share it. So you guys can just stand up and just lean into this worship song. Um, yeah. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.